This is Blood and Firewater, a true crime comedy discussion type podcast. We shoot tequila and we chase it with a case of murder. Just as a disclaimer, this podcast contains mature content not suitable for all ages. So listeners' discretion is advised. I am your host Rashad and I would like to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the show. We promise not to be insensitive to the victims and respect their families. However, we will poke fun at other persons, places, and things involved with the case. And we will keep our opinions based on the facts of the case. We're not professionals, and we don't pretend to be. Welcome to Blood and Firewater. I'm your host, Rashad, and I have a guest co-host today. His name is Dre. Hello. Dre is my cousin. He volunteered to step in for Brandy because of the fact that during this little three-month hiatus, me and Brandy's work schedules changed, our lives changed, a lot of stuff has happened. I wish I could make up some excuse and say, like, I was off trying to cure the coronavirus, or I got arrested for letting all the animals out the zoo, or I went on a trip to the Amazon, and my tour guide was bit by a rattlesnake and died. And then I had to eat him and I actually gained weight coming out of the Amazon. But none of that happened. So here we are. <laughs> but we're back though. We are so back though. Hey, all right. Before we take the lid off tonight's case, I also want to thank everybody on Twitter and on Instagram, all the groups I'm in for their support and truly just being there when I didn't think we would be back, actually. Thank you guys. I love y'all. You don't know how much I appreciate the positive feedback from our show and, you know, not having any recent episodes. It just kind of, mm, I don't know, like I just felt compelled to record regardless of me and Brandy's schedules lined up anymore. And I'm glad that you volunteered to be a part of this episode. Absolutely. Dre has no idea about true crime. What, what, what's your true crime experience? <laughs> well, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. Oh. So <laughs> a lot of chocolates. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Uh, I mean, for the full extent, I mean, nothing but watching our mothers watch 48, the first 48 and things first like 48. that. First 48 is like the bottom of the barrel i mean that's about the full extent of what i know about it well this case might throw you a little bit okay so i just want you to put your big boy shoes on (laughs) big boy drawers big boy boy pants (laughs) put put the whole outfit on that's that's, get dressed (laughs) yeah you're going to get dressed for this (laughs) now tonight's case is the tragic story of elisa lamb a beautiful young writer, artist, and scholar, and her life, and the story of her life is cut short by what some people believe to be a paranormal entity or a supernatural event that transpired. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> you, can, you could say, in my opinion, mental illness or foul play. It's, it's, it's not the other two. I know we were on a run of celebrity conspiracy cases, but as we get so much closer to the wonderful time of the year, Halloween, 
I was inspired to dive into the depths of this case in particular because the case itself was so famous on the internet and it got all of the creepypasta story-esque feel to it that sounds like a story you would hear based on the narrative that the police gave. And we're, I'm going to show you the video here in a second. Mm-hmm. The video they release, what appears to be a paranormal experience on a hotel elevator. And with that come true crime skeptics out there where we're just like, no, she was sick or somebody had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's the only other, like, that's it. That's the list. Like, all right. Okay. (laughs) I'm with you. Are there really true crime cases that are inspired by spirits or ghost entities? Like, (laughs) a ghost killed you. Like, and you can you go arrest that ghost? Like, we can prove this ghost did it. Like, is there somebody out there that'll? I got a badge, okay? It says ghost police. Those are called the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yeah, no, they bust ghosts. Oh, shit, son. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Oof. (laughs) He said, I believe they're called the Ghostbusters. Okay, cool. So. We need, uh, like, a 2020 Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I want to know how those interviews go. With what? You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, they usually have those, like, special, like, paranormal cameras that, like, capture ghosts when they're, sure. like, moving through or whatever. And, like, I just... I don't want, know what they're called, but yeah. You know exactly. I don't know what they're called specifically, but you know what I'm talking about. So I'm just wondering, like, if they get this ghost in a room, <laughs> like, we know you did it. I'm going to just float through this wall. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> okay probably shouldn't have been laughing this hard because this story is about to get sad as fuck Mm. are there really true crime cases that are inspired by spirits and or ghost entities yes or no do you think that they could prove a ghost killed somebody no i mean they might find like traces of what they like what about people that are possessed? Uh, it's still a tough call. Possessed is debatable. That is very debatable. I'm possessed right now. Do you believe me? I could. I'm, I feel like I'm inclined to at this point since you're confessing. But <laughs> So there's liability. Yeah, He's like, well, you told me you were, never, you were possessed. So. Come on. Like, I guess that's the, the, the one thing that separates a possession. It's just like... You told me you were possessed. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm... So I'm inclined to believe you, but most possessed people don't be like, I'm possessed. They just start throwing they it up. They just start... Th- yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, we, we basically disputed the possessed because you have to openly admit that you're possessed before it's actual fact. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're on the stand and the lawyer asks, did she say she was possessed? Yes, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) She was probably fucking possessed. This case slightly crosses the line of paranormality, if that's a word. It can and should be easily explained, and I'm going to give it the old college try and convince you tonight that it wasn't a ghost. The hotel isn't haunted. And... There's no spirits. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my challenge. 
Okay. Simple enough. Yeah, I got you. Our story takes place in what was the Cecil Hotel, now under new management, known as the Stay on Main Hotel. Why the name change, you ask? Did you ask that? Sure yes. you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, people kept dying there. I'm sorry? People kept dying in the hotel, outside of the hotel, on, in, around. around. Yeah, we just did that. So Since the grand opening in 1927, like, consistent, just death. Apparently, around the time Elisa Lamb was there, it was a real shithole. Like, Skid Row's, like, right down the street. Hmm. So, it's not really getting the high clientele you would think. Okay. But prior to that, prior to Skid Row showing up, it was a suicide murder hangout. So I ripped this entire part from wikipedia.com. If you type in Wikipedia, it'll take in the Cecil Hotel. It'll take you to <laughs> this. On November 19th, 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton, 46, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. Norton's death appeared to be the earliest known suicide at the hotel. In September 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dottage, 25, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. In late July 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Borden left several notes, one which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. In March 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from the ninth story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or suicide. In January 1938, U.S. Marine Corps Fireman Roy Thompson, 35, jumped from Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. In May 1939, Navy Officer Irwin C. Neblett, 39, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. In January 1940, teacher Dory Skager, that's pretty close. Mm Mm-hmm. 45 ingested poison while staying at the Cecil and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be, quote-unquote, near death. No further reports were published about her condition. So, by now, she checked out. So, I just, not to cut you off from what you're saying, do you feel like that she would have died later from complications of that, or? Well, she was 45 in 1940. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying she's dead by now. I mean, obviously, but what I'm saying is... Unless she's like 140. What I'm something. saying, do you feel like she would have died just simply because of old age or because of complications of... I, I feel like... I, I hope she lived a very bountiful life, you know? Mm-hmm. She, oh. after, after she was found near death, she went and picked flowers, you know? The, so. It's the small things. All right. Go ahead, I'm sorry. In September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend. Shoe salesman Ben Levine, 38, Purcell, who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, Mm. 
went into labor. She later testified that she did not want to disrupt sleeping Levine, so she went in the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. Thinking the baby was dead, she threw him out of a window and he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. Purcell was charged with murder. Three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused, quote-unquote, at the time of the incident. In January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. She went in the bathroom and had a baby. I guess in the tub. Right? Like, I don't think she did it in the toilet. Like, that's terrible. I mean, this happened. Yeah, it happened at the mall. And no, what, what stadium did that happen in? Not that long ago. It happened at, um... It happened, like, in Charlotte, didn't it? No, it um, like somebody had a baby in the bathroom. La Paria, the La... the restaurant on restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> the restaurant. Why do you keep saying it's restaurant? restaurant? You said restaurant. I said it's, it's restaurant. restaurant. It's restaurant. It's restaurant. Restaurant. Ooh, okay, continue. Restaurant. Uh, That's uh, not the way you say the how word. Do you say restaurant. Restaurant. You said it just like I said it. Restaurant. It's no exact it's, same it's thing. You're saying same. restaurant. I'm not oh, saying God. restaurant. Oh, God. You're gonna play this back. Restaurant. Now you're for you're just enunciating it now. I, I understand, t- but what I'm saying is you're saying restaurant when you're not. I'm trying not saying to. restaurant. Yes, you are. Whatever. It's a restaurant. Anyway, so what were you saying about La Paria? Um, the chick who um, what was it? Her she had a baby, and her mom threw it. Her mom worked there with her. It was a young girl and her mom. She had the baby, I think, in the restaurant, and she <laughs> she. Her mom, her rest, the restaurant. <laughs> her mom threw it away, okay. like in the trash at work, <laughs> and like tried to work a shift, and the baby's in the trash. So they got charged. Prom night dumpster baby. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, so you're saying that she threw the baby out the window? She threw the baby out the window because she thought the baby was dead. How did she think the baby was dead? Because it didn't look alive. I mean... I wasn't there. I mean, I would have told her not to throw the baby out the window. I mean, well, naturally. But hey, let's not do that. I mean, unless the baby was like stillborn. That's what she thought it was, actually. I still Still, though, I don't think it's necessarily (laughs) like throw it out the window. Especially like because because of the fact that you don't want to wake your boyfriend up. I don't understand how he didn't wake up. I don't up. understand how she had the baby without making anybody up. Just like. <laughs> In November 1947, Robert Smith, 35, died after jumping from one of Cecil's seventh floor, seventh floor windows. On October 22nd, 1954, San Francisco stationary firm employee Helen Gurney, 55, jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of Cecil's marquee. One week prior, she registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. On February 11th, 1962, Julia Frances Moore, 50, jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second-story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. Among her possessions was a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents and change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. And I think I looked it up and it's like around $15,000 today. So she was like not poor, at least by her check. 
So I just want to know, does nobody think it's, did anybody try to bring into the investigation why everybody keeps jumping? No, man. But people are just like, yeah, I guess. Cocaine was a hell of a drug. Oh, you think you could fly, but I got that. But On October 12, 1962, Pauline Otten, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her, an estrang- with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to Otten's suicide. Auden landed on a pedestrian, George Gianni, 65, killing them both instantly. As there were no witnesses, police initially thought Auden and Gianni committed suicide together. However, it was determined that Gianni had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death, and he was still wearing his shoes. Had he jumped, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets. So they're assuming that both men jumped and just like landed on top of each other. I felt like when I first read it, I was like, so you mean to tell me this guy jumped out of a window and intentionally choreographed? Yes. Yeah. Like he caught him, mm-hmm. but he had his hands in his pocket and his shoes on. So like, why would you think? Well, you said his hands in his pocket. Yeah. The reason why they determined that, um, it wasn't like a, a mutual mm-hmm. offing. It's because the guy on the bottom, like, because the guy jumped out the window, landed on it. But the guy on the ground had his hands in his pockets and his shoes on. So he was, the police are like, there's no way he could hit the ground and his shoes wouldn't fly the fuck off. On June 4th, I'm still, there's still people dying. I ain't done yet. Oh, yeah. I don't On like June 4th, 1964, a hotel worker discovered. Pigeon Goldie Osgood, a retired telephone operator dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Osgood was well known around the area and had learned her nickname and had earned her nickname because of the fact that she fed birds in I think it's Parish Square. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap that she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seeds. Hours after her murder, Jacques B. Ellinger, 29, was seen walking through Parishing Square, and he was wearing, like, bloody clothes, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime. The murder remains unsolved. I'm sure they're, they're not trying to find Pigeon, Pigeon Goldie's killer anymore, so... On December 20th, 1975, a still unidentified woman, approximately 23 years old, jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. She was registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Law. Law? I, I hate I hate being from the South. Because I know, I can, I can see the word. It says Lowell. But when I say it, it's Law. You know? <laughs> Lowell? Law. <laughs> She was staying in room 327. On September, 1st, on September 1st, 1992, a man was found deceased in the alley behind the Cecil. Authorities believe the descendant either fell from, jumped from, or was pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. At the time of his death, the descendant was 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighed around 185 pounds. He was wearing blue sweatpants and a black sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt. Los Angeles County coroners placed the descendant's age at 20 to 32 years. The descendant's true identity has never been established. Cause so how did they, how were they able to uh, identify that the young woman was exactly 23 years old, but this guy's anywhere from 20 to 32? 
dental dental work. What is she like? Tree? Were they able to tell the rings <laughs> in her teeth? Like I just I, maybe know, she had an ID on her. But if that's the case, then you would be able to identify her. Oof! I didn't think about that. Just something to think about, man. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like I feel like with with stories like this, like you know, it's easy to spin a couple in there. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a short story too long. The hotel is obviously haunted, but it's not. It, it's just not. It's just it's just in a really shitty part of town, and it was a really shitty hotel. And but all these people keep jumping out windows. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you catch a crackhead or you see a junkie at three or four, three or four o'clock in the morning, don't be surprised if they look like zombies or appear to be floating or think they can float and they just jump from a window. That's how I feel. If you high and you high, like high, high. like you, both, like mm-hmm. seventh floor high and you high, high, and you ain't like it's 1940, 50, 60, whatever, and like, because the, the place opened during the Great Depression. Mm. So, mm. people were greatly depressed. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. So, Elisa Lamb is our victim. Also known by her Catanese name, Lamb Hoyi, was born on April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Her parents migrated from Hong Kong and had a restaurant. Dre, guess what the name of that restaurant was? The name of the what, I'm sorry? The restaurant. The restaurant? 30 seconds. That's too long. Five seconds. I don't like it. It's a, it's a Chinese family. Mm-hmm. Migrated from China. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the restaurant? Chinese restaurant. Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I forgot you were saying restaurant. <laughs> Look, okay. man, I've been in the South just a little bit too Whew. long. I gotta okay. get back. Okay. Restaurant. Your name? <laughs> Restaurant. I don't know. I can't see anything wrong with them. <laughs> but I feel like... Oh, man. <laughs> Nobody's corrected me in so long. <laughs> Chinese restaurant. <laughs> it... Oh, my God. Okay. They named the place Chinese it... Restaurant. No, the name... It was Paul's. Oh. Yep. Don't you feel racist? As hell. Oh, goodness gracious. Bet you, you just did. let me embarrass myself like that, huh? Mm-hmm. She Be attended the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Elisa was the typical teenage youth, very talkative, outgoing, had a great relationship with her family. She loved literature. She had lots of friends. She started a fashion blog, and she began to subtly start admitting to her mental condition. There's a lot to unpack in this case, so we'll start at we'll start the timeline from when she started to unpack at the Stay on Main Hotel. She checked in on January twenty eighth, two thousand thirteen. Now, originally, she was in a shared room, like a hostel mm-hmm. type air like thing, with other guests to assumably save money. She, the people that she was with told the hotel management that Lamb had been acting like she had. Quote unquote odd behavior. Like just odd. Like that's that's their words, not mine. I just I, I, I mean, what is odd? Like weird? That's that's the synonym for me. Like odd, weird. I'ma get into it. Mm-hmm. So they upgraded her room 
to a room by herself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the problem's solved, right? Mm-hmm. I've been waiting to say this for so long. I do this in all my episodes. Not right. It is not right. <laughs> the last time, the last time Lamb was seen was on CCTV footage from the elevator, which I'll show you, Dre. Mm-hmm. And I encourage you to watch at your own leisure. Okay. And quite honestly, on your at your own discretion. Okay. The footage was taken on January thirty first, two thousand thirteen. So just so you know, nothing gruesome happens in the elevator. I just want you to watch the video and mm-hmm. tell me what you see. Like, bro, it's just crazy. That's just blew my mind. So let me let me describe to you a game. It's called the elevator game. Okay. So this comes from hideandgokill.fandom.com. Just so sourced. The elevator game is a ritual that will bring you to another world, basically. The game originated in Japan and in South Korea, which you will need at least one person, but you can play with more people. You need a public elevator in it with at least 10 floors, and you obviously need an elevator. Mm-hmm. So to start the game, the players need to enter the elevator. So you're on the first floor. Okay. Press the fourth floor. Do not proceed if someone enters the elevator or one player leaves the elevator. If someone does that, start from the beginning. So that's how like a majority of these end. Like if someone leaves or comes on the elevator, you got to start over. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that again. Okay. You're on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Press the second floor. Do not proceed if someone enters or leaves. Again, not saying it again. Press the sixth floor. Do not proceed. Back to the second floor, back to the, or then you push the 10th floor, then you go to the fifth floor. So you're on the fifth floor now. Mm -hmm. If a woman enters the elevator at the fifth floor, do not look at her, don't speak to her, don't talk to her. That woman is not a woman. If you do, she will decide to keep you for her own. So you're on the fifth floor with this woman that you can't speak to or look at at all, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you got to push the first, the first floor. Mm-hmm. Again, don't leave. No one leaves. No one gets on. You got to start all the way over with this woman that's on the elevator. <laughs> the elevator, like, so when you push the first floor, mm-hmm. the elevator will either ascend or descend. If the elevator reaches the first floor, leave and do not look back, apparently. If the elevator reaches the 10th floor, after you push the first floor, if it goes up to the 10th floor, leave and do not respond to the woman if she asks, where are you going? Or what's wrong? Don't, don't say nothing. Just walk. Okay. Her voice will be really high when she asks. Ah, okay. Thank you. Again, do not proceed if someone enters or leaves the elevator. If someone does, you have to start all the way over with this woman that you just heard ask you. Okay, you got me. I got you. So, when you leave on the 10th floor, you are in the other world. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, like, if you walk out and you're alone, you're in the other world. Electronics will not work in the other world. The other world is identical to our world, but the, difference, the differences you will see here, all the lights will be off 
and the only thing you'll be able to see from the windows is a red cross in the distance. Returning back to our world, you must go through the same elevator sequence of buttons. So leave only if, you're on, if it says you're on the 10th floor. Mm-hmm. If you walk in the elevator, it says you're not on the 10th floor, you're in the wrong elevator. It's a trick. Mm-hmm. So the sequence is 4, 2, 6, 2, 10, 5. When you reach the fifth floor, press the button for the first floor. The elevator will again begin to ascend to the tenth floor. Press any other floor's button to cancel the ascension. You must press the button you use to cancel the ascension before you reach the tenth floor. If you don't push another button before you get to the tenth floor, book. After you reach the first floor, check your surroundings carefully. Carefully. If anything seems off, even the smallest detail, do not exit the elevator. So, like, if you saw, like, in the lobby, mm-hmm. there was, like, a fern, and then you get off the elevator, and there's no fern. Get back on the elevator, I guess. If you detect something's wrong, repeat step two until your surroundings look as they should, so the fern's back now, at this point. Once you are confident you have returned to your own world, you may safely exit the elevator. Other tips. For the elevator game, just just in case you want to go play tomorrow. Oh yeah, I'm very interested. Cool. The woman on the fifth floor. Again, don't look at her. Don't talk to her. That's the only only thing you need to know about her. She is not a woman. Do they give any clues of what she might try to say to you? Yes, it did. Where are you going? Or what's wrong? In a high-pitched voice. But that's if you get off, correct? I don't know. I don't want to find out. Tips about leaving to the other world once you hit the 10th floor. Mm-hmm. Only the people that leave the elevator go into the other world. So let's say me and you go and you get off and I stay my ass in the elevator. Deuces. Okay. I'm Audi 5000. Getting back to your own world may be more difficult than it seems. Remember when I told you about... Mm-hmm. You may become disoriented and forget which elevator in which you arrived. The elevator may seem to get further and further away as you walk towards it, so be vigilant and keep your wits about you. If at any point during the ritual you faint, pass out, or otherwise lose consciousness, you will likely wake up in your own home. However, be sure to carefully examine your surroundings upon waking. The home in which you have returned may not be the one you left when you first set out to attempt this ritual. You must not in any case attempt this too many times. This makes you susceptible to accidental slipping through the world. If you do not get out of the elevator on the 10th floor or the woman does not get in, you should head straight back down to the first floor. Sometimes when you're coming back, the elevator goes back up instead of down. You have to cancel the ascension by pressing any button between the current floor and the 10th floor and get off. The other world is pulling you. Not, not in quotations. It is literally pulling you, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to get on an elevator at this point anymore. I'm taking the fucking stairs. Um, if you faint in the other world and you find yourself back in your world, be careful. If you faint in the other world, mm-hmm. what? What? What does that mean? Like, like, if you go to sleep and then you go to sleep in your sleep? Inception. No, nah, it's not that because you're making it seem like it's a dream world. It's not a dream world. It's a parallel world. Parallel universe. So it's just, you know, you're, you're not losing consciousness 
while you're already asleep, you're losing consciousness in another. What would happen if you go to sleep in your sleep? Is that coma? Could be. You can be pulled at any point in time. So there's that. Mm-hmm. This also happens to people with acceptable souls. Some, some, it's, it's got something to do with Koreans. So that's the, that's the elevator game. Okay. So 18 days later, her naked body would be discovered inside of a water tank on the roof of the Cecil or stay on Main Hotel. How did they find her, you ask? Ask me. How did they find her? Other guests at the hotel began to complain about black water coming from the faucets and low water pressure and a rank taste to the water. The tank was the source of water for the entire hotel, okay? Mm -hmm. The kitchen and the coffee shop downstairs. So needless to say, a lot of people left the hotel, but not the, the transients that you know, were in the area. Mm-hmm. The Cecil Hotel was no five-star hotel by even after the renovation to be the stay on Main. There was no bellboys. There was no valet parking. It was still that seedy, go get your first tattoo or herpes, overdose inadvertently, committing suicide, prostitute magnet that you can rent by the hour. So let's go back to 2010 and see how Elisa Lamb landed in this hotel. She starts a blog on Blogspot called Etherfields. In the blog, she basically poured her heart out. In one of Lamb's posts, she wrote, quote, I've been having headaches for the past two days, and my vision shakes when I stand. I'm not sure if it's vertigo, but definitely do not feel stable even when sitting. It also gets hard to focus at times. I can't seem to process the whole scene. Almost like tunnel vision on a, on a handheld camera. If only family doctors worked on Sunday. I don't see why a few can't decide to work weekends and close on other days of the week. Sickness does not take a day off. And even pharmacists are available seven days a week. Oh well, nothing I can do unless I feel like going to the hospital. No way. Unquote. The blog comes down. She makes a fashion themed tumbler. And it's clear at this point that she's in need of a doctor of a type of illness that may be a tad bit bipolar and depressive. Only because she continued to express her frustration while trying to communicate with people in her posts. But there was a tremendous amount of pressure from her family. She's Asian. You know that. And there was a big stigma about mental illness in the Asian culture. You never hear about it. Not mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a humongous stigma on the Asian culture and mental illness. I'm not going to pretend like there's not. Like, it's just like saying there's a, there's a stigma between black people getting killed by white police officers. You can, you can say there ain't if you want to. Go outside. Pew, 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 pew. That's terrible. That's awful. So it's 2010. She's 21, three years into college, but she suffers from a bipolar disorder that she's obviously in need of a 24-hour doctor for. The four medications in which she's prescribed, which were Wilbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel, and Effexor. I've taken Seroquel before. Not fun. Let's fast forward back to 2013, where Lamb has completed three courses in the three years since she's been at the university because of her mental health from the depression and the bipolar disorder that had taken over at this point. But she got the idea that she would take her mind off all of this pressure with something that she called 
a West Coast tour. Like she was going to go to San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego solo dolo, like just booking it. Mm-hmm. But she stayed in constant contact with her parents throughout the trip. On January 22nd, Lamb misses her connecting flight to San Diego and she sleeps at the airport. It wasn't as bad as it sounds like you stayed like. You remember how long we were stuck at Denver Airport? Mm -hmm. She described it as like, uh, I think it was a movie, Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. Like she described it as like one of those kind of moments. And she had free Wi-Fi and a charger Mm -hmm. and restaurants and shit. Like it probably wasn't that bad. Restaurants. God damn, why is that word keep coming up? On the 23rd, she's in San Diego, and according to her Tumblr, she's elated. She took a hot shower, stuffed her face with $3 worth of food. She's only like 75, 80 pounds. I mean, three, like two, two double cheeseburgers will do you when you're only 80 pounds. Like, you're out. Like a light. But it, to me, it sounds like her medicine's working. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and she's, and she likes people watching and she's going to get out of the hotel and meet people, places, or things. I'm not really sure what she did. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. While in San Diego, she books the room at the Stay on Main, formerly known the CISA Hotel for the 28th through the 31st in downtown LA. So we talked about check-in, flatmates kicking her out for quote-unquote odd behavior, but they weren't clear on what was weird, which is weird. Because I have ideologies of what would be weird for somebody that I just met at a budget motel. That's what I'm saying. Shooting up right in front of me? Red flag. You think so? We're from the South, okay? You go do your drugs in the bathroom. (laughs) You close that door. Number two, anything to do with fireworks inside of the room. One Roman candle and I'm outie. Ah. So you're you're drawing the line of Roman candles. I'm drawing a line of Roman like fire firecrackers. Okay, you're ha 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 ha. And then a Roman candle gets lit. And then <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go go. Okay, I can dig that. Yeah. And if you watch the show Friends, I, I gotta go. Nobody in their right mind watches that show. Don't at me for it. I tried. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Do you like Friends? Do I like Friends? Yeah. I don't have friends. Why would oh, I like shit. <laughs> Why would I have one? Oh, shit. But on her Tumblr is another post that may have answered the question of her quote-unquote odd behavior. There's a lot of quotes. Quote, <laughs> I have trouble knowing where the boundaries are. My main faults are that I talk too much. I have a naturally loud voice and I have no filter. Outspoken, rude, blunt, arrogant, judgmental. Etc., etc. You know all the bad stuff a jerk is. I'm fine if I don't open my mouth, but as soon as I do and start talking, I can get in trouble because people hear what I say out of context and immediately get offended. Unquote. So it's possible because of the fact that the people that got her kicked out of that room maybe just didn't like her, mm-hmm. and that's why they never came forward. I completely identify with that profile. Like, that profile is so Tumblr, first off. That profile is so me. Mm-hmm. It's very me. Mm-hmm. And it seems somewhat tender appropriate. I'm sorry? Tender appropriate? 
Tinder appropriate. She started. She started a wave <laughs> of like. <laughs> she started a wave. Okay, fair enough. I'm just kind of curious though. I mean, why didn't they just come out and say, "Hey, man, this chick. I mean, she's doing all of this stuff. I mean, she's she's stirring up trouble with everybody. We don't want her." Rather than say she has a really odd behavior or a very weird behavior. You know what I mean? Because I mean, if somebody's outspoken and stuff like that, I'm like, "You're you're a dick. I'm just not gonna talk." To you. Mind you. She talked to her parents every day, sometimes three or four times a day. So wouldn't you think the first people to notice that their child is like exhibiting odd behavior is her parents? Again, like, I just feel like her parents knew who she was. Like, this, if you call your dad or your mom, they know who you are. It doesn't bother them. But if you meet somebody new, they're like, man, this guy's kind of a dick. So it's just like, you know, I can understand in the sense of like, hey, you know, we're not getting along. We don't want them in this room. That's understandable. But to say that this person was exuberant, was it, how you say it? Odd behavior. Odd behavior. I mean, that's just, I feel like that's a little bit more of a, a description rather than just saying, hey, this person, I don't like them. We just, they're not getting along with anybody. They're saying, hey, this person is doing cartwheels at 3 a.m. In my opinion, I feel like her odd behavior based on that Tumblr post with the profile, Mm-hmm. is her actual behavior so maybe the other people were being odd to her is that's a possibility like they were just not accepting to this outspoken you know or she just was really quiet because she knew that she knew that once she started speaking people were less likely there to, you go it could so, be both yeah that's okay all, all right. right there we okay, are full circle yeah, full <laughs> circle. I, I like that. So, All right, go ahead. On the 31st of January, hotel staff saw Lamb. They said that she seemed fine. There's a bookstore across the street that Lamb purchased books from, and the manager said that she seemed fine. And in fact, there's a bookstore clerk that said she was speaking to her in future tense about the books that she purchased as she would be traveling with them and taking them home with her, which is completely something I would say if I didn't want anyone to foil my plan to get butt naked and jump in a water tank. Throwing that right in there. Huh? I if, if I didn't want you to foil my like, I would, I would definitely try and convince you that I'm not suicidal and be like, I'm taking these books home with me. I mean, what is a bookstore clerk going to really do? That's a credible witness. I'm just saying it makes sense. It really does. The way you broke it down, it makes sense. All I'm saying is just like, if, if she's so fully determined on one way or another offing herself i feel like especially with bipolar you, you i mean who knows it may even been manic and she could just go really high and really low for no reason and so i mean that and that comes from taking your medicine the wrong way if it wasn't the the water tower it was going to be something on the 31st of january her parents did not speak to her the entire day and they immediately called lapd and booked a flight to la but the one thing they didn't do was tell authorities about her troubled mental state or her medications that she was prescribed at initial contact. Flyers were distributed in the news cycle her story, but then after the initial search of the hotel on February 1st, since there was no probable cause found in or around the hotel, police could not obtain a search warrant to go through rooms other than lambs, the hallway of the floor she stayed on, and the roof. Here's a funny fucking thing about the roof. 
they didn't really just search the roof. They did bring cadaver dogs, though. So there's that. So they were prepared to find a body because they brought the dogs that find bodies. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't want to look for it, though. They wanted the dog to do all the work, but the dog can only do so, so much. Right. So allow me to put it in perspective. You're in a field with cadaver dogs mm-hmm. looking for a body. Mm-hmm. You see the only thing that would hide a body in that field, like a barn, you then don't go and search the barn. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just like you're on the roof, you're looking at the water tower, and you're like, hmm. No. Nah. <laughs> gotcha. Then on the 13th, so we're a w- almost a week or two weeks. God. Yeah. Okay. Bad water, like low water pressure, dead body juice. Coming out the faucets. People are drinking it. They're washing the dishes with it. You're making coffee with it. Taking showers. Taking showers. <laughs> Cooking with it. Oh, God. <sighs> then on the 13th, police released the elevator video, which to me, after everything that you know now about Elisa Lamb, mm-hmm. the video would seem kind of like a red herring. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. Something that would lead you to believe anything but the simplest answer or Occam's razor, pretty much. The question is, is the elevator or hotel haunted or is Elisa Lamb troubled or in trouble? That's, that's the argument mm-hmm. in this case. But I, I have my list of concerns. Mm-hmm. Number one, the timestamp in the video is pretty much not existent. The only thing you can really tell is that time is moving, suggestively towards midnight. The picture is trash, even by 2013 measures. What good is a security camera if you can't identify anybody in it? Number two, the infamous missing minute that that was chopped from the video provided by police. She's moving slow in some clips, fast during others. Honestly, just amateur hour as far as video editing. If you're going to go down the rabbit hole of an employee or employees had mm-hmm. something to do with it. Number three, it was the only video provided. No exterior shots, no lobby, no hallway cameras. The only video police had is the one they released and it made her look crazy. And number four, as an honorable mention, any video that doesn't have audio can be, can be and will be taken out of context. Because of the fact that it is so out of focus and pixelated and edited and doesn't do Elisa Lamb's case or mental health any kind of favors because contradictory to all of the manic episodes that she may have been experiencing, everyone she encountered and her parents and the bookstore clerk and the bookstore manager said that she was fine. Odd, but fine. I'm odd. You're odd. But we're fine. By our standards. But yeah. I, by, the people I think who know, doing, by the people who know us then. Fine enough to give her own room to. How about that? Fair enough. Yeah. So hotel management thought she was fine. On the 19th of February, a maintenance worker went to check the water tanks because of complaints of the water pressure and the taste and the smell and the look and the things about water that this wasn't. So, maintenance went to check the only open tank. 
I've heard it was open and I heard it was closed. I heard it was like slightly ajar and I've heard a lot of different things. But like what I want to believe if she jump, if she actually just willingly jumped in it is that it was open because how would she close it unless she was like, like James Bond in it. <laughs> if how, how big was this thing this thing like it was i wish i would have looked that up it was not that big it was um the cover looked about the size like from my computer to that thing it wasn't that big i mean it's big enough for this woman to slide into but. that's what i'm saying so i mean the only thing i can think is there's only two Two things, I mean, I can... One, somebody was trying to hide her body in there. Sure. You know? Two, she got into it willfully, trying to hide from something, and then an accident occurred while she was in it. She was naked. You see what I'm saying? So... She took all her clothes off, put them in... She, had, she, she would have had to take all her clothes off. Right. Or taken her clothes off while she was in there. Right. Which is rather... I, I would... If I was like... I'm going I'm to make this easier on mm-hmm. me. I'm going to take them off first because I don't want to have to try and take my clothes off while I'm in water because I'm like, bloop, bloop, bloop. So, um, but I guess that was the point of getting in the water in the first place, so it didn't really matter. Right. Um, but yeah, like she was found naked with her clothes in the tank with her mm-hmm. and the lid was either open, closed, or slightly ajar. On the 21st, her autopsy results were released. Zero evidence of trauma or sexual assault. No needle marks, which can be held to find anyway, but they find nothing. Her body was bloated and moderately decomposed. Toxicology could not be performed properly because not enough blood was left in her body. However, medical examiners could find a host of prescription drugs in her system due to the treatments that she was taking for the depression and bipolar disorder. It was a serious shit list of medications that she was on like if you if if you just so inclined find yourself browsing the internet and you want to read a prescription list like a a big girl prescription list that was it because like i didn't even want to bother trying to pronounce like if you if you're new to the show welcome my name's rashad and i'm terrible at prescription names but i try though all right and i remember some and then there's other ones I don't. So, um, I know you didn't try to remember all the names and everything for them, but do you remember the number of how many she was on, or roughly? It's like 30. 30? Mm-hmm. 30? Yeah. And she was supposed to there was some. Sh- there was some sinus medicine, and there was some headache medication. I mean, but some, don't some of those things kind of like have antibiotics that, that work against those? Well, they're supposed or? to. Like, when you're manic depressant, you have a drug that brings you really up, and then you have a drug that brings you really down, and it balances you out. Right. Well, what I'm saying is that they, with, with random, like, sinus infection drugs and stuff like that, some of those, it's just like with birth control, if you have um, prescription drugs work the same. Like, if you're taking something that has, like, an antibiotic in it, it can make it just completely useless, and you're pretty much just taking a placebo at that point. She did have... 0.02% alcohol in her system, too. 0.02? That's like a beer. Yeah. A beer and a half. Well, I mean... Maybe two beers. Yeah. But, I mean, she was, what, 80 pounds? Yeah. So, I mean, that might just hit different. 
On her clothes were dark hairs or fibers, sand, and small white, fle- uh, white colored flecks of an unknown material that is consistent with sand. So I thought maybe artificial sand. Okay. They're in LA. You know, you might go to like a bar or something like that. They got fake sand or something. Right, right, right. That's just my thought. They don't. They don't know what it is. So I was like, well, here's. I'm gonna toss my guess in the hat. I drew it, and I was like, ooh, that was mine. No, no, that makes sense. Her cause of death was ruled an accidental drowning, and the case was closed. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Is what I would say if the case really should have been closed. However, number one, why would police release a video of a woman in an elevator in the middle of a psychotic episode? Just why? After becoming aware of the plethora of medications she was on, they still introduced this contradictory video into evidence that that she may have been crazy but forgot to consider the video is the physical proof that she may have been taking her medication improperly. Okay. Number two, how did she get on the roof, though? It's reported that the roof access was locked and it had an alarm. So, how did she get on the roof? Okay. Number three. How did she get inside of and much less on top of the water tank as the pictures I've seen don't clearly show a ladder or stairs that would lead or provide access to the top of the water tank? It's not one of those fixed water tanks that we got driving around. Like, right. you know, the, the big one. It's like on top of a building. Like, okay. there's no fixed ladder to it. Like, okay. you have to bring your own ladder. Oh, so that's how the guy... So, like, I saw, like, the videos I saw, like firemen were already up there i was like maybe that's their ladder like i don't know Mm -hmm. but like i didn't see a fixed ladder on the water tank Mm -hmm. and getting the lid off must have been a bitch because she was 80 pounds and that the lid had to be at least maybe 25 30 but that's like a quarter her body weight like and then getting it back down must have been a bitch too number four her tumbler never stopped twerking for 11 months after her death so did she cue all these things to be posted was Tumblr ever contacted? She lost her personal phone during the trip, borrowed a Blackberry from a friend, but then that phone was never recovered, by the way. So was there evidence to be tracked but ignored? Which was and has never happened in the history of true crime. Nobody ever lies in true crime. <laughs> in March 2013, her body was taken back to Canada and she received a proper burial. There were connections made to this case in the film Dark Water from 2005 where a woman gains access to a rooftop water tank then drowns. The 2013 season finale of a show called Castle told the story of a student who was found dead in a water tower. An American Horror Story season 5 show creators say that they were inspired by a surveillance video that showed a woman acting erratically in an elevator, though he didn't mention precisely which footage. I'm sure there are plenty of videos of women acting erratically in, in elevators. Like, there's, they're just... Famous patrons of the hotel include, but not limited to, serial killers Jack Unterwigger and Richard Ramirez. Do you know who Richard Ramirez is? No, that, was that one of the brothers? Beth brothers. Short, the victim in the mysterious Black Dahlia case from 1947, also stayed there, but that has not yet to be solidified in fact. Though likely, it was a cheap hotel. I mean, I, I, can, I can dig it. I really can. I just don't understand the fact of why reveal so much evidence of trying to make, this, make her out to be crazy. 
when obviously this his the the hotel already has a history of people just killing themselves. Right. I feel like, I feel like it's just another narrative to add to the the collection. I mean, you got to think what what the other people thought when they started hearing about all these people jumping off the buildings and shit. Oh, okay. So you're just like, oh, these people are crazy, but there's nothing. No, I'm uh, saying the simplest answer to this is she was troubled. Right. Maybe she got into the tank. Like, because I said either the elevator is haunted or the hotel's haunted Mm -hmm. or she was troubled or was in trouble Mm -hmm. is the argument. Mm -hmm. So she was either in trouble or troubled, in my opinion. I can't tell you which one because I don't know what that type type of medication would do to me and make me feel. Mm -hmm. So I can't say what it was doing to her. She was... You saw the video. She was got goddamn moonwalking with her fingers. Mm-hmm. Like I've never been on any type of prescription for depression or bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So, bro, I don't know how to call it, but I know either she was troubled or in trouble. The hotel obviously is not haunted. What, what, I guess what, that's speculation. Speculation. What do you think? Do I think that the hotel is haunted, or she was in trouble? Like, which what, what side of the fence you? I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I mean... You want to go play the elevator game and figure it out? I'm straight. I'm going to go ahead and just bypass that. Anybody want to play the elevator game with me? <laughs> That's a no. That's, that silence is a no from everybody. But what it is is just like... I mean, the, there are things that, are, that can't be fully explained with science, and there are things that can't be fully explained with faith or in spirituality or whatever it is. And And... That's where they come up with the elevator game because now they're trying to connect the two with spirituality and science. Like there's a um, hard fact of how to get to a spiritual realm or a parallel universe or however you say it. So that's why it makes it so intriguing to people. There, there are some places that do have some kind of just spiritual force behind them. You know what I mean? This place is too, it was built and made big during the Great, Great Depression. Depression. Yeah. When people were just like offing themselves. For no reason. Then they had that that famous song that came out during the Great Depression that people were just killing themselves to. Oh, nice. So it's just like, you know, you never know what was going on or what somebody was going through. And L.A. was the place everybody went. Yeah. So very well is possible that just, you know, depressed people gathered at this hotel. But I mean, it's not the first case where they found like first real case where they found somebody in a water tank on top of a hotel. This isn't the first time. Right. Like, it's happened, like, five times in the last, like, 20 years. Right. It's almost like I posted on Instagram one day, it's just like, you have a very low chance of getting killed by a cow, but it's never zero. Right. Like, right now, cow can just, like, bust through this garage. And just go ham. That, I, I, I'm landing on she was either troubled or tr- in trouble because there was obvious editing of the video. There was the narrative that the police closed the case prematurely. Mm-hmm. It should be reopened. The parents tried to sue the hotel for wrongful death. And all they wanted really was like the cost for the funeral. And like, I, like it, didn't, it was an undisclosed amount of money, but clo- like the funeral was in the the thing which they may have paid under the table or something mm-hmm. like that but um good to say how the case turned out how the no they lost the parents did yeah because 
the hotel, how was the hotel responsible for her getting on the roof? There was an alarm on it. And it was supposed to be locked. Like, but like then it, they can't say like, okay, she was on the roof, but how can we keep her from getting in there? Like, that's not our fault. I mean, yeah. So they, they're still open for business. Stay on Main, somewhere in LA, downtown. Let us know what you think, audience. Was she in trouble or troubled? Or is the hotel or the elevator haunted? Because it can't be everything. Like, I heard, like, she was possessed. Like, you remember we talked about possession. Mm-hmm. You have to admit it or else it's not true. Yeah. Um, like murder. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You got to admit it or, yeah. you know, it didn't happen. They said uh, the Richard Ramirez's spirit, she was possessed by his spirit, but he didn't die until, like, that summer that she died in 2013. So, like, how was his spirit walking around the hotel if he wasn't dead yet? That's the kind of crazy stuff that's on the internet. So, like, you will immediately get shut down as soon as you're like, I got an idea. And then someone's like, no. (laughs) No. Red button. Stop it. Stop. You stop it. You're stupid. So... That's that's why with true crime you gotta you gotta know what you're talking about. You really do, because if you don't, there's somebody out there to be like your show is trash. But see, I feel like with especially with true crime in situations like this, it doesn't feel like there was any real investigation taken that took place. Well, I mean the the investigation never never really existed to me because like they didn't look that long or that hard that's what i'm saying so when somebody's like hey you know what i'm saying and speaking about this case and this is the evidence they found and so forth whatever what have you it seems like all that stuff is just kind of it's not even really in police report yeah so (laughs) thank you dre for coming for this episode it's been my pleasure again brandy's me and brandy's work schedules don't line up anymore it'll either be a situation where we have to try and figure out how to make this work but right now we can't make this work so because she has to work so that works you can find us on instagram at blood and firewater podcast twitter at bfw pod squad i have a tumblr now i think it's blood and firewater pod squad brandon has a tiktok i don't know the name of it she says it in another episode go listen to our other episodes check those out those are really good too i'm your host rashad that was dre we'll see you next week stay alert and stay alive